seated. And the kids heading off to Children's Church. Have fun back there. Well, I'm glad everybody's here today. So we kind of are getting into the mode of wrapping up the summer and uh, getting back into the new school year. Um, you know, we're excited about that. Our oldest is going into kindergarten. So a uh, lot of fun, first full day of school. So we're excited about that. And uh, getting her up early and getting her there, you know, on time and, and all that. So uh, it's, a, it's a good season for that. Um, so just know I'm praying for you, especially a lot of our uh, school teachers I know. Um, it's, it's coming to the starting point, so we're getting ready for that. We know there's a lot of pressure. Uh, and so I just want to welcome you, maybe if you're here online as well, um, we're glad you're here. My name's Michael, I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're just ex- excited to be here this morning and uh, jumping into God's Word. And so uh, with that, uh, we're in our series. Uh, we're not quite to the end. We're almost to the end. Kind of a short summer series. Uh, normally we'll spend uh, you know, anywhere between a, a couple of months and four or five months in a series looking at a book of the Bible or just some ideas or topics that are in the Bible. Uh, and this summer we've been looking at this series, The War, uh, so Spiritual Warfare. Uh, it's something that um, I think some of us, we don't like to think about because then we get uncomfortable. And for others, we're like, yeah, we want to know more, but we don't know how it works. And so uh, I hope that in this series, we've, we've learned some things, um, what the armor of God is and uh, why God gives that to us, his very own armor, uh, to help support us in this spiritual battle, um, the things that are unseen. And so um, we're kind of doing more of an origin story today. We're going to be looking at prayer, and it's really this pre-prayer for the armor of God. Um, if you've uh, read uh, comic books, you know what an origin story is all about. You go back to the beginning and you go, now, why are we at the place we're at? Well, after going through the armor of God, we go back to the origin and we figure out uh, how, how do we start this out? How do we set our minds? How do we understand what the location of this fight is? And how do we figure out what our strength is? Okay. Uh, and so uh, the phrase we've been using um, that I haven't put in the phrase to remember yet until today uh, is this greatest fight of all time. Now, um, we've probably thought about fights that have gone on throughout history and, and the Civil War and things that have taken place and um, certainly some of the worst battles, uh, one of those being the Civil War, we, we think, man, those were, those were really bad battles, they were really hard battles. We think about those greatest fights of all time. And I really believe that this, this area of spiritual warfare, uh, when we go before God and we say, God, we, we need your help because all day long we know we're going through this. Now, we tend to focus on the physical, right? And so when we think about this greatest fight of all time, I want us to remember what we've been talking about, spiritual warfare. But as I was just kind of researching, doing some things, saying, well, what was the greatest fight of all time? Who, who thinks, you know, what about the greatest fight of all time? What was the greatest fight of all time? Well, you punch it into Google, you'll find various things. Um, one of them uh, is the fight between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier back in 1974. If you remember, if you were around, <laughs> uh, Muhammad Ali was coming off of uh, being in some trouble, right? He had gone to prison, and he, he got out, and, and there were these two undefeated champions that uh, came to this greatest fight of all time. Now, we know that there's a greater fight, right? The fight of spiritual warfare that we've been talking about. But then I looked at other things like, well, you know what? That was the greatest fight maybe of boxing. Uh, What about uh, in movies, right? What's the greatest fight um, of all time? Well, a lot of people think back to all the, you know, the Rocky movies, right? And there was one fight in particular between Rocky and Ivan Drago. I don't know if that's how you say his name, Drago. He was a Russian, I believe. And so, Rocky ended up defeating him, but he paid a price, right? Um, he ended up coming away from that fight having some various uh, mental issues because you can only get hit in the head so many times, right? 
And aren't you glad? <laughs> we look at these kind of these greatest fights of all time. We go, I would not want to be in the ring with that person. Uh, and then we think about how God himself, he doesn't just throw us out there and go, good luck, right? He doesn't just throw us out there and say, figure it out, right? It's your greatest fight, right? <laughs> no, it's the greatest fight of all time, and we're involved in it. And he doesn't just throw us out there. He says, hey, uh, I'm going to be there alongside you. I want to help you, but I want you to have some ownership in it, right? I want you to actually listen to what the Word says. So if you look in the book of Isaiah, you'll see all of the armor of God laid out. And then that's the reason that Paul, when he's talking about this armor of God, he's going, I'm not just making it up, right? It's not just a, like a cultural reference, although he talks about the armor like the, the uh, Roman uh, soldiers at the time. He references those pieces of armor. But he's saying, hey, this armor, it's been around since the beginning, right? It's been around since before the beginning. In fact, God have it, has it, and he gives it to us. So it's not like we're just like trying to fight this battle and we can't do it. We're not stepping in the ring with like Muhammad Ali, which if somebody, yeah, was like, hey, you're going to fight him? No, thank you, right? I'm going to run away. Uh, but God helps us in this fight. Maybe when you think about the, the greatest fight of all time, maybe the one that you faced even physically in this, in this life, maybe you think about illnesses like, you know, cancer or like an autoimmune disease. And we've thought about, a lot about those things in recent times. And so we, we have to work through those and struggle and go, well, I, I've had a battle, right? I've had a fight in a certain area, but there's this greatest fight that we've been talking about that plays itself out in the spiritual realm. And we have to come to this place where we go, I can't do this on my own, right? Events of recent times should show us that, but as we jump into this, I want that to be our thought, the greatest fight of all time. There's been a lot. People think that we're the greatest fights of all times in movies, in reality, of illness, but yet there's a spiritual one that's playing itself out, and, and God lets us be a part of it, and he gives us the tools to help us get through it in this life and flourish, by the way. So we'll be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. It's a short passage, but there's a lot here. Um, So we're going to try to get through all that in a timely fashion. And so as we started out today in the quiet time, you're actually going to read um, that passage over the next couple of weeks, all the way through Ephesians. Um, This is kind of going to give us the base for that. So Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, he wrote around 61 AD, uh, and he's writing it to the church at Ephesus. So read at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, we see that. Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And this was a place that, uh, it was a difficult place to be. Uh, there was um, a lot of idol worship. This would have been the center of one of the main temples for the goddess Artemis. So one of the uh, great pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses, Artemis, uh, was the goddess of fertility, among other things. And so as you can imagine what, take, what would take place in a temple like that, there was temple prostitution. And so um, the church was having to try to wrestle with uh, real Christianity coming to bear on a society and culture and saying, hey, this is not really how we're supposed to worship the one true God. In Him, we worship Him in spirit and in truth, right? Not in all these other ways, right? Uh, and so um, with that, the first fill in the blanks is going to be the strength in the fight, strength in the fight. And so as there's all this um, you know, physical sin and, and difficulty and things that are in that culture at the time that I think are here now as well, um, that are that are pulling on us, and we're pulling on the people in Ephesus. Paul's going, "Hey, here's what you need to focus on. In fact, if you can't come to the greatest fight of all time in the right way, if you can't come to God, you can't say, I, I need your help. I need that armor uh, when I go about my day.'" then you've already lost the battle, right? Now, we prepare physically for a lot of things. We get up, we get ready. You know, we're, we're going to work. We've got our coffee, right? You know, we, we've prepared for the day. We've prepared for a meeting if we have one of those. And, and we just go, I'm ready for that. But Paul's going, hey, 
you guys are you're looking at all these other things, but here's the thing that you need to prepare for most. Here's the thing that's primary. Uh, and so with that, we'll start in verse 10. Strengthen the fight. It says, finally be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. And in verse 10, we really see this idea that there's this preparation that matters. And so there's two words for strength. So there's the be strong, and then there's the strength. So the first one I want to talk about is this word for strong. In the Greek, it's the endunimo, meaning to receive strength. A lot of times we think about strength, like we think about like strength training, right? Endurance, if you have uh, kids that are in sports, like they probably already started some of that stuff, uh, you know, going to a football practice, right? The two-a-days, the three-a-days, right? Just grueling practice, right? <laughs> yeah, but you're getting ready for something, right? Uh, maybe you're doing long-distance running, and you probably had the whole summer been doing some sort of running, right? Preparation for what you're going to do. In the same way, Paul knows the culture, right? He, he knows how we are. He knows how the Ephesian church was and the people in Ephesus. Um, they were people that were dedicated to a lot of things, and one of them was excellence in, in areas like sports and things like that. And, uh, <clears throat> and so he's going, hey, um, here's where your strength is going to come from, and you're actually going to receive it from God, and it's not going to be through um, you know, going and running every day. It's not going to be going and hitting the weight room, right? He says, finally, be strong. Receive this strength in the Lord. Can't do that by pumping iron. And he says, in the strength of his might. And so um, the second word for strength, so there's two different words here, one for strong and then one for strength. So in the Lord, in the strength of his might. The word here for strength is the word kratos in the Greek, and it just means might, force, or with great power. You might be like, I think I've heard a word like that before, kratos, crater. That's where we get our word for crater. So when something hits the earth and creates a hole in the ground, what does it do? Well, it, has to, it had to have hit with great might or force. And so this word, interestingly enough, is only used 13 times in the New Testament. And when Paul uses it here, he uses the two different words for strength for a reason. When he, when he kind of starts out this section, he uses the endunimo, and then he uses the word kratos. And there's a couple of places. You'll actually see it this week in the quiet time. In the beginning, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might. So his great might, right? So he's doing these things. We've placed our faith and trust in Jesus for what he's done for us on the cross. And then uh, God is sustaining us, right? We say, God, every day I need your help. Let me lean on you. And what does he do? Well, according to the working of his great might. He gives this, this immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. And then in Acts 19, verse 20, it says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Well, we talked about that this morning too. So, so Andy referenced that, that a verse we've been talking about in Philippians. So it's kind of been a, um, a theme of the church for a long time, holding forth the word of truth. So what, so what sustains us, right? Our, uh, our ability to, to be strong, to go to the gym, to work out. Like, does that lift us up? Does that sustain us in the difficult times? No. Physical strength doesn't. In fact, it fails as you get older, doesn't it, right? Some people would say amen in here <laughs> and go, yeah, that's kind of failed me over time. Uh, and so what is the strength that doesn't fail us? Well, it's the strength that comes from the Lord. And then in Luke chapter 1, verse 51, it says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. So what does he do to the proud? Well, he scatters them. And Luke tells us that this, he has this, he's shown us this strength with his arm. And he's showing it all around us, right? Mightily, all over creation. 
And I like this one in Revelation 5.13. We're actually going to be moving into a series in the book of Revelation in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited about that. been working on it uh, really hard for just taking a look at the church and who we are in the beginning of Revelation. But in Revelation 5.13, use the same word, really the same phrase. It says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So when the Scripture talks about these characteristic traits, who God is, and when Paul is bringing this word, he's saying, hey, we receive this strength. And this strength, by the way, it comes from God. And this is just intrinsic in his character, in his nature. It's not like it's like he came up with it. He's like, oh, by the way, I need strength. I'm going to tell people that I'm, I'm good for that, right? I can give that to people. No, this strength existed from the very beginning. And in Revelation, I love it because it says, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. He has it. He possesses it. He always had it, and he will always have it. So this strength comes from him. And then in verse 11, <clears throat> we see that the mindset matters too. So in verse 10, uh, we, we looked at this preparation. So how we kind of view the situation, do we do it by our own strength? No, we do it through God. And then in verse 11, um, there's this mindset that matters, right? Because if we, even if we think for a second like that we've got it, that we can handle it, that we can figure it out, that we've got wisdom, that we've got strength, no, this comes from God. So in verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So what do we do? We put on the whole armor. Is Paul like, hey, pick the one you like and uh, then use that one today, right? So I think I need the sword, right? I like swords because they're cool, right? Uh, I, I need my shoes. I mean, I don't want to hurt my feet, right? So I'm going to put those on. No, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God uh, for a reason, right? <laughs> we need whole protection. And why does he say that? Well, he says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Does he say, like, if he comes up with some schemes or if he comes at you? Paul's, no, he's, Paul makes several statements where he's going, he's scheming. He's, he's going to do something, right? Be ready for the day that he comes because he will, right? He's just like waiting for the opportunity. He's, what does the scripture tell us? He's like this lion, right? He's, he's roaming around. He's seeing who he can devour. Now, that's a scary, it's a scary picture, right? And you don't put your kids to bed at night and going like, hey, that guy Satan, yeah, he's like this roaring lion. He's looking around for who he can devour, right? No, you don't do that, right? We talk about God's goodness and his love and like God is with you. He loves you. He's going to protect you. But then at some point, right, in a child's development, in our own development, we have to go, okay, God, I understand who Satan is, right? He's real. He's in the spiritual realm. He's doing things to try and thwart us, right? What did, what did Jesus say about Peter when Satan was like, hey, I want to sift Peter? Jesus was like, hey, don't worry. I prayed for you. I know Peter was going, oh. Thank you, right? So this situation is real, right? The things that are going on in the spiritual realm. And our mindset matters. So we've got to put on the whole armor. And, and then he says that you may be able to stand. And uh, there's an interaction that takes place as I was reading this. I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. Uh, if, you know, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, um, cool guy, written a lot of things, a lot of, um, I think, scriptural themes and things that he's written. And there's this interaction that takes place between Sam and Frodo, two best friends who set out on this journey that takes three really long movies, long story short, or books to get through. Uh, and at the end, eventually they accomplish the plan, the purpose, right? I won't ruin it for you, but there's a ring that's involved. And so Sam and Frodo, they, they're having this conversation before they set out for their journey, right? You can imagine two little hobbits, they're, like, they're going out on this journey with these like warriors, and they're like, who are we? 
be with these guys, right? Who are, and they end up being the ones who carry the ring, right? The weakest, the smallest, the littlest. And Sam and Frodo have this conversation. So Sam says, this is it. Frodo says, this is what? <laughs> Sam says, if I take one more step, I'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Frodo said, come on, Sam. Remember what Bilbo used to say. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And so they knew the gravity of the situation, right? They knew how difficult this journey was going to be. They had never set, out foot, set foot outside of the Shire, right? They had never set out foot outside this little community. That'd be like walking outside of Elba if you'd never been outside of Elba and going like, what's going to happen? We're not supposed to leave, right? If you know the story, eventually they accomplished their purpose, but it was through a lot of heartache, through a lot of difficulty, wasn't it? But they asked an important question. So if I take one more step, then I'm going to be, oh, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what's coming. And Frodo's like, yeah, we, you're right. In fact, we've been reminded of that. But for us, when we're in this spiritual battle, we're not like stepping over this line and hoping that like some, you know, elf or like uh, some other warrior guy is like going to protect us, going to be able to do that, right? We're going, we've got the greatest warrior in all of creation, God himself, and he gives us his armor to protect us along the way, okay? And so we've got to put the spiritual arm and be in this mindset. And I love the word that he uses here. Um, Paul says to stand firm. This word here for stand in the Greek, it just means to make firm or establish, right? Now, now we don't do that, right? Uh, we, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand firm before the devil and all of his schemes, right? No, I, I don't do that. God does that. And Paul's reminding the Ephesian church, hey, remember the plan, right? Remember the mindset that you need to be in because when you're going out there, when you're doing the things you normally do, when you're going in, in the spiritual battle, which is everywhere, you need to be prepared. You need to have the right mindset. And so we have the strength in the fight, and we prepare, and we have the right thoughts, the right mindset for what we're doing. So the second fill in the blank is the location of the fight. So we've got this strength in the fight. We know where it comes from. God gives it to us. It's okay to worry, right? It's okay to go, man, I don't know what's going to happen, but we need to trust the Lord and say, God, if I lean on you, if I ask you for help, your armor, you're going to be there with me along the way. So the second thing is the location of the fight. Verse 12 tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So in verse 12, it's important to know the location of this fight. So um, maybe you've been in altercation before, a fight, or you, you've seen someone be in that. Generally, it's most altercations are physical. Sometimes they're verbal too. Uh, Paul's here is reminding us, hey, where is this fight? We're not, we're not having a fight with somebody, right? We're not getting in a boxing ring and, you know, and waiting until the final round or trying to knock somebody out. No, we're in this battle. It's uh, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you can feel it. I mean, you can feel it all around you. It's like, you know, you, you turn on the news and you're going, okay, right, again? Or how could this get any worse? And we go, God, we wish you would do something, right? You wish you would change something here. And that's okay to pray. But know that while we're in this life and while we're struggling through the situations that we're in, we're praying for other people, there's always going to be that element of evil, right? And it's present in the world. And God wants us to go to him and say, hey, God, we know the real location of the fight, right? 
It's not people having physical battles. It's the one that's going on in the spiritual realm. So we need your help. We want to um, pray through those who are going through the same thing. And I always thought, like, as a kid, like, there were the, the, the physical battle was the one that you had to win, right? Um, I found myself in the principal's office a few times. Uh, that may be hard to imagine. Uh, but there'd be these fights that I would get in, and, and more often than not, it'd be somebody, you know, being mean to somebody else. And so I was like, I'm fighting the greatest fight of all time. I'm standing up for somebody else. I'm not going to let somebody treat somebody else poorly just because they're bigger than them, right? And I wasn't the biggest kid on the block either, so um, <clears throat> I would just pick up the bigger stick or the bigger rock, right? Uh, so that's how that would go. And then I was like, why am I here? Principal's office, I don't get it. <laughs> so as the parents were coming, I really thought, like, I, I mean, I should be getting an award <laughs> for, for this, right? I should be getting something like, why am I? I'm in trouble. Wait, I'm confused, <laughs> okay? And so a lot of the times, we, you know, we think about uh, the location or the battles that we've been in, and we think that we're vindicated, but the only one is the one that takes place in the spiritual realm that we should be thinking about, right? And that we should be uh, walking in and living in. And so I, as I was kind of just looking at different battles, too, that Christians have faced over time, um, you know, you, you go to um, things like the Holocaust and guys like D- D- Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he wrote several things in his relatively short life, um, and one of them was this work called After Ten Years, um, he was given some thoughts and perspective to after he had spent some time uh, seeing a lot of bad stuff, um, being a spy, trying to get people um, out of Germany, trying to save Jewish people. Uh, and um, he himself ended up going to a martyr's death. Well, there was an individual, um, who uh, Victoria Barnett, who um, works with the United States Holocaust Museum. And if you haven't been to one of those, you should. There's one in Dallas that uh, I've been to. And uh, just good to get some perspective for what man's capable of. And, and sometimes when we see those things, we do understand God's goodness better, that he's, he's got something better for us, he's rescuing us. And Victoria Barnett wrote this about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and then she quotes him, because sometimes we do get discouraged, and everybody does, even people who we think are like giants of the faith, right? And so she, she said this about Bonhoeffer. In December 1942, Bonhoeffer sent a Christmas letter entitled, After Ten Years, to his closest friends in the resistance. In a bitterly realistic tone, he faced the prospect that, that they might fail, and that his own life's work might remain incomplete. He may have wondered, too, whether his decision to return to Germany and to work in military intelligence had been the right one. And then he wrote these words that she quoted. We have been silent witnesses of evil deeds. We have been drenched by many storms. We have learned the arts of equivocation and pretense. Experience has made us suspicious of others and kept us from being truthful and open. Intolerable conflicts have worn us down and even made us cynical. And he asks this question, are we still of any use? And so you, you got to wonder, I'm like, I was reading that, I was going, I feel like we could have written, you know, written that down right now, right? But Bonhoeffer, he goes through this struggle and he just sees like a lot of really bad stuff. He goes, man, like I know we're, in, we're on the right side. But are we of any use still, right? And then we ask those questions. We go, God, how are we supposed to approach this situation? How are we supposed to have hope in the midst of difficulty? Well, it's knowing the location of the fight. We know where the strength comes from, and that's, and that's good. And as we're praying, God, we, like, we believe that. We know where the strength comes from. We put on the armor of God, and we know the location. We know where it takes place. And, and as we're dealing with that reality, we go, man, will things get better? Like... <laughs> Am I of any use anymore? And Bonhoeffer asked the same question because we have to deal with that, the reality of darkness. And I, I think that's sometimes why we don't go to spiritual warfare, right? Like we, we go, I know it's there, 
but it makes me uncomfortable, and I don't like to talk about it. And if I don't think about it, then I'll feel better, right? Does that ever work, right? It comes creeping in, and we just say, get it, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. Instead of going, I know it's real, right? I know the struggle is real. I know the things that we deal with is real. And in that spiritual realm, we have to go, God, we need your help. We can't just pretend like it's not there, right? And Bonhoeffer was really honest. He's like, man, things have been really difficult. Do we, even, do we trust people anymore? We've been in these conflicts. Are we still of any use? And then uh, St. Jerome, who is another church father, said these words about this passage. The battle's not against flesh and blood or ordinary temptations. The scene is the war of the flesh against spirit. We are being incited to become entrapped in the works of the flesh. But this is not merely a physical temptation. It is not merely the inward struggle against the flesh and blood as such. He, the devil, employs deceptive signs and lying omens. He sets before us every possible ruse of evil. So we have to deal with this, right? I and mean, we have to go, hey, there's times that we're just like, I, I don't know. Like, can I do this anymore? And in our honesty, and I think in like what Bonhoeffer said, in our honesty, we go, God, I... Am I, am I useful for anything anymore? I've, I've just been worn down, is what he said. St. Jerome tells us, hey, there's this reality. There's lo- this location of the fight. There's an enemy who's real, and we have to believe that. We have to understand it, right? And it's one thing for us to believe in what Jesus has done for us, that he saved us, and that's good, and that's awesome. That's the greatest decision that we'll ever make. But we have to go. We know where the strength comes from, but we know the location of the fight, and we know that it's a real fight, right? It's not a pretend one. It's not one that we can just wish away, right? It's there. And so where do we go from that? Well, we go to enduring the fight. And that's the last fill in the blank, enduring the fight. And this is the last verse, enduring the fight. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, having all to stand firm. And so in verse 13, we see this enduring the fight with the right armor, right? And we, we got to be prepared, okay? So we have the strength. Right? It comes from the Lord. We have the location. We know where it is. It's not like it's not real. We can pr- try to pretend that it's not, but it's still there. And then we have to figure out how, how are we going to like what Bonhoeffer, he was asking an important question. He was writing this to like a bunch of friends and people who were like praying for him. He goes, I mean, he could have not included that, right? He could have just been like, things are going great. Like, no, they weren't going great, right? And he's going, need some help here. Need some encouragement. Luckily, he continues to write. And so we, when we think about this fight, the greatest fight of all time, we, we think, yeah, I'm, I'm, don't worry, I'm going to be a part of that fight, God. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my part. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to get my coffee ready. And you know how people say, it's like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, right? And maybe, maybe some of you uh, are like that. You say, I need that before doing anything else. But maybe we should change that a little bit, right? And we say, when we get up, we should say, hey, I probably shouldn't talk to anybody until I talk to God right? I probably shouldn't. And Spurgeon actually had a similar uh, phrase that he used. He said, it's a good rule never to look into the face of man in the morning until you look into the face of God. Uh, And man, if we could just like substitute that, don't talk to me until I have a coffee. (laughs) I'm not going to look at anybody else. I'm not going to do anything else until I've stood in the presence of God. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's, it's really easy. We have his complete revelation to us available to us, right? We don't live in some third world country, places like Afghanistan where the Taliban is taking over and they're instituting Sharia law and they're going, no, if anybody, if anybody worships God, if you have a Bible, like we're, we're going to kill you, right? That's not the place that we live in. And although we, we feel like at times we want to complain about where we're at, right? Um, and it's not that there's not difficult things that we deal with, but can we pick up a Bible and read it? 
can we put on social media, God is awesome. I love being a believer. Right, we can do that. And no one's going to come to your house and break down your door and kill you and take your family, right? That's not going to happen. So uh, the events of recent times put things in perspective for us, don't they? And so we have to go when we read this, God, we've got to put on that whole armor because we've got this real battle that's going on. There's real physical battles that are going on. People are being killed for their faith. And God's going, I put you in this place so that you might continue to grow, that you might freely be able to worship me. I mean, how many graces and blessings does he pour on us just in that? And he says that you may be able to, may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all, stand firm. Now, if you continue to read in uh, Bonhoeffer's work, um, the ten years after ten years, he makes another statement um, as he's kind of working this out. The difficulty of the situation being there in Germany with the Holocaust and the eradication of the Jews, and he makes a statement in this work: "Who stands firm?" He asks the question after sharing his difficulty: "Who stands firm?" It's a good question to ask. And then he says, "Only the one for whom the final standard is not." his reason, his principles, his conscience, his freedom, his virtue, but who is ready to sacrifice all these when in faith and so allegiance to God he is called to obedience and responsibility and action, the responsible person whose life will be nothing but an answer to God's question and call. So Bonhoeffer in uh, dealing with um, one of the worst things that's ever happened in human history uh, in just destruction of a people group. He says, man, I, I'm just not sure if we're useful for anything. And then he says, who stands firm? Who stands firm in the midst of a time like that, in the midst of a season like that? And he basically just says, well, it's the person who, who doesn't hold all these other things as more important than the obedience to God and following him wherever he leads, because you don't know where that's going to be. And I'm sure Bonhoeffer said that he goes, I'm not sure I want to be doing this <laughs> anymore. And he asked that question, or if we have any use, and he says, well, the responsible person whose life will be nothing but an answer to God's question and call. And, and that's who we want to be, right? And no matter where God leads or what he wants us to do, we can't go, hey, my freedom's more important. Hey, my reason's more important. We've got to say, hey, this is the most important thing. And in this greatest fight, knowing his, the strength that he gives us, the location of the fight, and that it's real, and enduring this fight, he gives us the tools. And Paul doesn't say, like, hey, if the evil day comes, like, you might want to be ready. No, he says, when this evil day comes, because it will, he's going to bring the attack, and we have to be able to have, be prepared for it, right? To be saying, on a daily basis, I'm, I'm putting on this armor. And I'm not just doing it for, like, lip service or word service to God. I'm, I'm not going all right, how fast can I do this so that I can get on to something else? No, I say, God, I, I need your helmet of salvation. God, I want my mind to be like your mind. I want to have the mind of Christ, not my fleshly mind, right? Um, God, I want to have the breastplate of righteousness. I want, to, I want to live faithfully. I want to walk righteously. I want to have the belt of truth, this belt that you sustain me in, that my character might represent who you are. I want to have the sandals of the gospel of peace everywhere that I go. Um, it doesn't matter what situations I come into, or the hostility that's all around. I want to be that person who brings the peace that only comes through knowing Jesus, no matter what happens. I want to have the sword of the Spirit. I want to know His Word. And we can't know it unless we're in it, right? And I want to have the shield of faith, which tells us, hey, we, it can extinguish every whistling arrow, like we sang about again today, and having peace. Well, how do we have that? It's not walking around going, I hope nothing happens. <laughs> Because the enemy does come, and he comes and he attacks us, and he, he tries to get us discouraged or to believe the lies. 
And Paul tells us, hey, put on the whole armor so that you can stand firm. And I love that word here in the last verse. The word here for stand firm in the Greek is histeme, meaning to be kept intact. Because I want to be kept intact, right? I mean, nobody wants to be broken down and destroyed and to be caught up in the rest of the world. So many worries, anxieties, depressions, and struggles. And it's not that we don't struggle as believers. It's that when we go through that, we're prepared for it. And when Satan comes, we say, hey, we're ready for the fight. And the good news is, hey, I don't have to do anything but trust in the Lord and the strength that he's provided because I know who you are, Satan. I know that you're real. I know that this fight is going on in the spiritual realm and I can endure it. Why? Well, because we're able to stand firm in what he has given to us and how he's established us. So we endure the fight through this complete reliance on God using the armor that he's given And I'll close with this, and we have one more week, um, so we'll just talk about perseverance. So what does this look like, having the armor of God, understanding like this this pre-prayer and this focus and this um, kind of just getting ready to put on the armor of God, which is what we talked about today. And then next week, which will be our last week in this series, how do we endure? How do we endure to the end? How do we persevere through all of life's difficulties? Because there's plenty, right? And I believe God gives us the key to that, so I hope you're going to be here next week for that, or tune in for it. But I'll share this. Um, The anniversary for the um, shooting that happened at my church is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's always a difficult time for me. I just think about those things, and and Satan, you know, he'll twist my arm and be like, you know, what was that really for? Was that really worth it? I think just like Bonhoeffer was going, are we good for anything? Are we worth for anything anymore? And then I I think about the people who uh, lost their lives that day, and who gave their lives for what they believed in. They were at church, and someone took their life because they believed and followed God faithfully. And there was one young lady in particular, her name was Cassie. Uh, her parents were my uh, Sunday school teachers uh, for a time growing up in youth ministry, and which, by the way, I'm really glad we're starting that back up, um, having kids in the church and having a special focused time for them. But Cassie was a special individual, um, and the Lord took her at a young age, uh, in that shooting, but one of the things she was known for were frogs, right? I didn't really understand that at a young age, and I always said, like, frogs. Frogs on our Bible, like, just frogs everywhere, right? And so as I moved into student ministry and people would talk about her, I'd be like, what's the deal with frogs? Like, why frogs, right? And they said, oh, well, this is what it means. It's a, an acronym, and so it's, uh, it's just this, fully rely on God. Um, and so when you see that, um, maybe it's something you need to adopt. I don't know. I, I think we need a little more fully rely on God, right? A little more frog um, in our lives. Because what happens? I mean, we, you know, we, we go through life and we wonder at times why we're struggling or why we're having such a hard time or why things get really tough and we're just like, I, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And God's going, you can because I've supplied you with the strength. You know that the fight's real and you know that you can endure the fight because I'm with you. Right? And I've given you the armor and the tools. And so Paul says, put on the full armor of God. And if I were to add anything to that, just say, let's have a little more frog in our lives. Let's fully rely on God, okay? Um, I want to pray for us, and then uh, we'll close. But just before I do that, if there's anybody online um, or anybody in here um, that as we've been talking about this, the armor of God, we're like, what, what is all that? Like, what's spiritual warfare? I'm a little scared right now. I've uh, never heard of that before. Well, we know that first starts with putting our faith and trust in Jesus. And, and maybe you don't know where you're going when you die. When we walk out those doors, um, it's fair game, right? Only God knows when we're going to step into eternity. 
And in order to have right standing with him, the only thing that justifies us, just like the strength that he gives us, he gives it to us freely. He gives us salvation through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. Scriptures tell us if we would admit we're sinners, right? We can't do this on our own. We've already admitted that. We make mistakes. We believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was raised on that third day. Uh, and, and, and just that we're reminded, if we would make a, a public confession, if we would say, God, you're the Lord of my life. Like, I need you in my life. I can't do this. I believe in what you've done for me on the cross and take on all my sins, past, present, and future. And so if that's you, if you're online, reach out to us afterwards. Uh, if you're in the room, I'll be here for a little bit to talk if you'd like to. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we um, thank you for your grace. Like uh, the quiet time today says, the, uh, the beauty of this glorious grace um, that you have shown us. You don't have to, uh, but God, you give it to us freely. Um, God, as Paul said at the end of this book that he was writing to the Ephesians, he, he said, we have the strength, right? We, we have this ability to go through the fight. We know where the location is. We know that it's in the spiritual realm, the things that are going on. Um, God, we can't pretend like they don't exist. And God, it's scary at times. We feel overwhelmed. And we feel like guys like Bonhoeffer did. Are we still of any use? And God, we know the truth is that while we're here, you have a specific plan and purpose for us. Um, God, that you have prepared in advance for us to walk in is what your word says. Um, God, I pray that we would understand uh, that we can endure this fight that although times get difficult, things get hard, and we go through difficulty, uh, we can endure the fight. Um, God, I pray that as we um, go about this week and we think about um, just ending this series next week, looking at um, the endurance that you give us, um, God, the truth is we, we can't do this life on our own, and we can't walk in this life as believers on our own. Help us to see that uh, very clearly every day. Um, before we um, look at anybody else, before we talk to anybody else, I pray we would uh, go before you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. And uh, just as a reminder, be praying for uh, David and Rachel. Um, they will be um, coming in here uh, next week, and our first Sunday to have them here will be the 12th of September. I know our kids and students are looking forward to that. I am too. So.